Good morning. Come on now, you can do a lot better than that. Good morning. They told me Tom was tall. I think it's a tall, but anyway, all right. How many of you love your pastor? Let's, let's just give the Lord a praise offering for him. I, y'all love him. I'm just going to tell you, I love him. I, I just, uh, I have gotten to know Tom very well. In fact, he's, uh, he speaks at a lot of our events. Uh, but let me tell you what type of pastor you have. Um, we were, this past December, for our December conference up in Pigeon Forge, uh, we got hit by the COVID bug, and we had a speaker that couldn't show up. And in 12 hours' notice, I, I was just call, I called Tom. I had to leave him a message. I said, I don't know where you are. You may be on a remote island somewhere. But I told him what was happening. He dropped everything, came and spoke at our conference. And uh, that night, if I'm not mistaken, over 100 students came to know Christ because your pastor uh, was obedient to the call of God upon his life. So I'm going to tell you, you love your pastor. I love your pastor. He is a, he is a wild man. He really is. I, most of the time when I'm coming in to fill in for somebody, I'm like, okay, you know, you, you can go to second gear and be No, you, you better be wide open when you're filling the pulpit for Tom Richter. I mean, he is, uh, he is someone who is hyper uh, all the time. And I, I just I thank the Lord for what God's doing in his life uh, and through him here at First Baptist. So thank you for allowing me to come uh, and be a part of this. Like uh, uh, Rebecca, was it Rebecca? Yeah, Rebecca in introduce me. Uh, I'm an evangelist, live in Birmingham. Uh, We do events with students. We work with Major League Baseball. And it's just one of those things where wherever people are, the gospel needs to be shared. And that's that's what I do until COVID hit. And then I found myself over on the sideline for for about about a year and a half. We had over 50 events that we either had to cancel or postpone. And uh, I'm going to tell you, it just wasn't wasn't good. I mean, I I was sitting there going, they didn't really need to hear an evangelist right now. You needed to hear from your shepherd, the pastor. And so everybody says, I can't wait till things go back to normal. I'll be honest with you, I don't want to go through what we've been through the last 26 months and go back to normal. I'm ready for a new normal, a new opportunity, a new way to go out there and share the gospel. So uh, I, I want you to take your Bible, and they may have it up there on the screens in a few minutes, but I, I want you to take your Bible, just open to the book of Galatians right now. Because as you turn to the book of Galatians, uh, you know Paul, the apostle, wrote this book. But you also probably know Paul's story, how he was Saul of Tarsus, and he was persecuting Christians. In fact, our first martyr of the church, Stephen, uh, the the ones ones who committed the uh, the, the stoning, they laid their cloaks at Saul's feet. This is the same guy who was on the road to Damascus, and on the road to Damascus, he met Jesus. Now, I want you to zone in. We can't go one step further until you hear this. Paul, Saul didn't hear more about Jesus. He didn't meet someone who knew Jesus. He met Jesus. And when Jesus entered into his life, Jesus became the transformation of his life. And all of a sudden, we know that Saul is now being referred to as the Apostle Paul. He was the greatest missionary the world's ever seen. And he went to this place called Galatia, and God used him to birth the church. And, and because the church was growing so fast and, and the, things were settling down for the church, Paul went on in his missionary journey. And as soon as Paul left, there was another group that came in called the Judaizers. Now, the Judaizers, they were causing confusion because they were saying Paul was almost right. You got to have Jesus, but 
You got to add something to it. You got to go through this ritual. And when they started adding something to it, it started causing a lot of arguments and divisions inside the church. Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned the book of Galatians primarily to refute adding anything to the work of Christ. In Paul's mindset, it was Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Don't add anything to him. Don't take anything away from him. It's wrapped up in the work of Christ. So when he gets to the end of the book of Galatians, this has been my verse coming out of this pandemic. It's found in Galatians chapter 6, verse 17. Listen to what Paul says. He says, from now on, let no one trouble me. I want to say an amen to that, all right? After being through all this, Paul says, I don't want anyone to bother me now. Case closed. Let's move forward. And then he says the next phrase, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. And it's the word marks that we're going to launch out in this morning. Because the, the word marks in the original language is the Greek word stigmata. Now, in, in, it's a basically an identification mark. It would be like if we had a, a, a uniformed soldier up here on the platform and the chevron stripes on their sleeve. But in Paul's mind, it is so much more. In fact, to just really tell you the in-depth of what he is saying, it's even deeper than that of a tattoo. It would be if you were to go and speak with a cattle farmer, and that farmer showed you how they branded their cattle. In the mind of Paul, Paul is saying, the case is closed. I'm moving forward because I have been branded by Jesus. And when I did some investigation, I found out, yep, they're even arguing this. There's confusion everywhere. Some theologians are saying Paul is talking about the, the beatings that he's been through. Others are saying, no, what Paul is saying is he's been marked on the inside and Jesus has branded his heart. Here, ladies and gentlemen, don't get caught up in frivolous arguments. It's both and. It's not either or. Paul is going, yes, I've been through suffering, so I have been branded on the outside. Jesus has changed my life, so I have been branded on the inside. Here's what I'm going to submit to you. If we're going to make a difference after this pandemic, if we're going to walk out of this building and be light in a very dark world, we're going to have to be branded in several things Paul brings out in Galatians chapter 6. So keep your Bible open or keep your app open, and I want you to walk with me through this passage. In fact, start up in Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Listen to what Paul says. He says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. Now, he says, in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. But if you have a pen or a pencil, I want you to circle the word spiritual. Because the first mark that's going to be in our life is going to be that of being spiritual. Now, I wanted to use the term godly. I really wanted to use the term holy, Christ-like. But that's not the term Paul used. He used the term spiritual. And I, I submit to you, I, in today's society, we don't know what in the world the term spiritual means. I mean, is that someone who is, um, you know, that does essential oils? I mean, you know, what votes a particular way? What does it mean to be spiritual? Well, I, I'm tired of the world hijacking our terminology to advance their agendas. The term spiritual is a scriptural term. 
Do you know inside this room this morning, there are only three different conditions we stand before God. Every one of us is in one of three conditions before God. You can't be in two and you can't be exempt. Every one of us is in one of these three conditions. The first condition is that of a natural person. Now, a natural person is someone who has been born on this planet. And you're going, well, that's so elementary. It means something more. It means you were birthed in a fallen creation. It means there's one thing every one of us has in common. You don't know me. I don't know you. But we've got one thing in common. We've all sinned. The the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us has done something wrong. If you don't believe me, I'm going to ask you a question. If you've ever told a lie in your entire life, not just today, but in your entire, if you've ever told a lie, would you just raise your hand right now? Just keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. Now with your hand in the air, I want you to look around the room right now. Just go ahead, look around, look around, look around. Do you see all the hands of the liars that came to church this morning? Y'all see that? And for those of you who didn't raise your hand, <laughs> liar. I mean, that's, that's what I want to say. Isn't that amazing? To, I just want you to sit there and think about it. Isn't it weird that every one of us come from different families, different situations, but we all end up with the same point. We've all got sin in our life. The, the Bible is true. In fact, I've been preaching since I was a teenager. I had a sermon when I was a teenager entitled, 10 Surefire Ways to Raise a Godly Kid. I had no business preaching that message because I didn't have any children. If I preached it today, it would probably be titled, Three Suggestions That May or May Not Work. You know what I'm saying? It's a, that's the difference between theory and reality. Theory is that we're all good. Reality is all of us have a sin nature. How did that happen? Go back to the Garden of Eden. It is in the Garden of Eden when the woman, Eve, was deceived. But Adam, the man standing right there beside her, deliberately disobeyed. And from that moment, sin has flown through the veins of every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. We're sinners before a holy God. Now, don't get me wrong. I love to preach about the love of God. And I love to preach about the forgiveness of God. He is loving. He is forgiving But you understand, I've never picked up my Bible and read where it says three times he's loving, loving, loving. I've never read in Scripture where it says he's forgiving, forgiving, forgiving. But what our culture has has forgotten is that several times in Scripture it says he is holy, holy, holy. You can't sidestep that. We can't treat the attributes of God like it's some buffet and go, I want his grace and I want his mercy and I'm just going to forget about his holiness. Holiness is absolute perfection. I think it's amazing that it's absolute perfection three times over. So there's no way I can come into his presence. I am here. This holy God is there. I can't come to him. But the gospel message is when we couldn't come to him, he came to us. The, the, the message of the church is for 33 years, Jesus walked among us, and he never once says, pay me. He doesn't even say, thank me. He says, follow me, because he knew his mission on this planet, and he went to the cross for your sin and for my sin. He did something for me I could not do for myself. He did something for you you could not do for yourself. That's the reason Paul says, for God made him who knew no sin to be sin. For us, that we might be made the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning, apart from Jesus, I'm not saying you're a bad person. Look at me. I'm not saying you're an immoral person. I'm just saying you're a lost person. The Bible calls you a natural man because, or a natural person because you're apart from this living God. 
You see, that's the natural person. And then Paul in the book of Romans gives us the second condition. He says there's a carnal man, a carnal person. Now, what in the world is a carnal person? For the sake of time, let me tell you, a carnal person to me in the state of Alabama is someone who says, I know Jesus, but then they live like they really don't. Jesus says it like this, with their lips they praise me, but their hearts are far away. Have you, have you ever watched one of those international films that have been dubbed into English? It, will that not mess you up? I mean, you're watching it, and the mouths are moving, and nothing's real, coming out. And, and the, the audio, listen, the audio is not synced with the video. A carnal person's audio is not synced with their video. With their lips, they praise him, but their hearts are far away. Paul says there's two conditions. There's the natural man. There's the carnal man. And then he gives us the third condition. That's the spiritual man. That's the one that scares us to death. If I were to walk up to you and say, are you a spiritual person? You'd go, I don't know what you're talking about. The word spiritual means that if you're in this room and you know Jesus Christ, you're a spiritual person. You say, wait a minute, I'm not perfect. Well, you know what does happen? Jesus, when he comes into our life, presents us pure and blameless before God the Father. This holy God sees us through the blood of Jesus in the eyes of your Father. You are perfect. Now, I know we're in this world and we're being molded to the image of Christ. We're all on a journey. Here's what I'm telling you. If you're inside this room and you know Jesus, you are who Paul is talking about. Now, leave it to an evangelist. I've probably got some of you confused. You're going, I don't know if I'm natural. I don't know if I'm carnal. I don't know if I'm spiritual. Here's the question. Has Jesus changed your life? Because you may meet a religious person and get over it. You may go through a ritual and forget about it. But you'll never meet Jesus and get over him. Now, there's a Russian proverb. Now, this is not like modern day. 200 years ago, listen to what this Russian proverb says. Those who've been infected with the disease of Jesus will never be cured. Isn't that good? That's tweetable, okay? Those who've been infected with the disease of Jesus will never be cured. Before COVID happened, I was going to Egypt um, and it was just during the time of the revolution. And so hygiene was not really a priority there at that time. And so they told us we had to get some vaccinations. And so I went in and I was going to get my, my shot. And before my doctor gave me the shot, I asked him, I said, what are you about to give me? And I'll never forget what he did. He stopped, he tilted his head back and he started chuckling. And he said, well, to be honest with you, I'm about to give you the disease. But he said, don't worry, I'm just going to give you enough of it to where your body can build a defense against it, and you'll never become infected. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, please, I know you don't know me, I don't know you, but don't miss this. In the state of Alabama, the buckle of the Bible belt, if you're not careful, you'll get just enough Jesus in your system because he is still in our culture. You'll come to the services because these folks are talented You'll even listen to the message as long as it's not too long and there's a couple of jokes. And, and you'll be able to walk out of here the same way you walked in and you won't be infected with Jesus. You'll just be vaccinated against him. How do you know the difference? Has Jesus changed your life? I'm not saying you're perfect on this. I'm saying you're on a journey with him. That Jesus lives in your life. If he doesn't, before you walk out these doors, open up this door and say yes to Jesus. It's the most important decision of your life. And there's one thing we've learned walking through this pandemic is you've got to have something solid in your life. Not a religion. Not a ritual. Jesus didn't die on the cross to make us religious. Jesus died on the cross to have a relationship with us. Amen?
All right, take your Bibles, look down to verse 3, because the first mark is being spiritual. Let's go on to the second mark. He says, for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So the first mark is being spiritual. The second mark, if we're going to make a difference, is having a humble spirit, a spirit of humility, if you will. Now, humility is not weakness. Humility, in my, in my estimate, humility is living life with a higher accountability. It is when you know you're living life on purpose, when, you, when you've recognized your spot, because we all have heard all of our life growing up, pride comes before a fall. In the margin of your Bible, by verse 3, would you write this verse, Proverbs 16, 18, because that's where we get it from. Here's what the proverb states. A haughty spirit comes before a fall. Now, I got news for you. I studied that, that term, haughty spirit. Here's what it means, a warped view of oneself. We've all been there, junior high. No, I'm just kidding. All right. we've, we've all been where we need to be brought back into reality. One of my favorite stories is about Muhammad Ali. They say that after the thriller in Manila, he got on the plane. He had his championship belt around his waist. He was parading around to which the stewards came up and said, Sir, please sit down. Put your seatbelt on. We're about to take off. To which Muhammad Ali quipped, Superman doesn't need a seatbelt. To which the stewards replied, Superman doesn't need an airplane, okay? Sit down, put your seatbelt on, we're about to take off. Do you understand? He had a warped view of oneself. He had to be brought back into reality. That's a haughty spirit. Here's what the Bible says. Pride comes before destruction. Now, I got news for you. There's two forms of pride. There, there's arrogance. Now, that's the one we hear about. That's the one that when they walk in the room, you look at them and go, man, that person is full of themselves. All right, in church life, can, can I just tell you, it's not arrogance we have to battle. I'm just going to be vulnerable for you. The one I have to battle is the other form of pride, just as deadly, but sometimes overlooked. It's not arrogance. It's false humility. It's when I know how to act. It's how when we know how to sit there in the seat, smile, nod our head, but still be bent on doing what we want to do. You see, when you have that type of a spirit before a living God, Paul says, if you think of yourself something when you're nothing, you're just going to deceive yourself. You see, in the, in the Old Testament, the people anticipated God to speak. And the righteous people anticipated their response to God's voice. Most of the time, we've already made up our own mind. We've already decided what we're going to do. And it's not about others, it's all about us. Um, I'm going I'm to share a story, it's going to come across a little arrogant, but I, please just, there's a point to it, I promise you. But there's a movie called Courageous. Has anybody seen the movie Courageous? Anybody? A few of you have. Okay. If you haven't, it's all right. But uh, I'm, I'm in the movie, and that, you go, well, that's so arrogant. Stay with me. Uh, I, I was supposed to just do a devotional for the team, but as I was leaving, the producers, the, the, the pastor of the church, said, Scott, do you want to be in the movie? And I was like, yes, yes, yeah, <laughs> a star is born. I mean, yeah, this, is my, this is my big shot. So I went through wardrobe, and it was the most critical scene. It was when they were busting in, they were going to uh, arrest the uh, corrupt officer. And if you know the movie, you know that uniformed officers would never arrest another uniformed officer, so they had to have officer of internal affairs. That meant they had to have somebody in a suit. There was one suit on location, and I was the only one who could fit in the suit. That's how I got the parts. True story. 
So they gave us a whole row at Fox Theater in Atlanta for the premiere. I brought my friends and we were all sitting. I knew when the scene was going to happen because I'd filmed it for nine hours. So I knew and, and, and everyone was gripped to the, to, the, to, the, to the screen. And if you've seen the movie, I know, you don't see me in the movie. They cut out my words. They cut out my... All you can see is the back of my head in that movie. I'll never forget as I looked down that row, everyone else was gripped to the screen. Jordy Henson, one of my best friends who were with me, he was bent over laughing hysterically. I, he looked at me, he said, Scott, you're not in this movie. And here's the phrase he used. He said, you're nothing but a glorified extra. And when he said that phrase, it's kind of stuck with me. Because I got news for you. You know what my biggest problem in life? It's not you. It's not them. It's me. Our biggest problem is ourselves. Because I still want to be the man. But when Jesus comes into my life, you know what has to happen? He's the leading man. I'm nothing but a glorified extra in this thing called life. Paul says, if you think of yourself something when you're nothing, that's the reason he says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not anything you did. You can't boast. It's the gift of God. You see, if we're really going to make a difference in our life, we're going to realize not only is there going to be a mark of spiritual, uh, of godliness in our life, there's also going to be a humble spirit where we live on purpose. Now, let me give you the third mark. I want you to go to verse 9. Listen to what Paul says here. He says, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. After 2020 and 2021, here is the third mark that I think is going to be in our life persistence. We're not going to give up. And I don't know where you are in life. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but listen to me. Do not give up. Don't give up. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on your neighborhood. Don't give up on our city. Don't give up on our state. Don't give up on our country. Don't give up on Jesus. Don't give up. I, they tell us, Barna came out with a study that said during the pandemic, six out of 10 pastors con considered quitting. You know what I said? The other four just lied. I mean, it, it was tough. I mean, we, we were all shut down. There was, there was loneliness. Think about the first problem in scripture. It wasn't sin. It was loneliness. It is not good for man to be alone. And we were all separated and all of a sudden, we all dealt with discouragement. We all didn't know what was going to take place. And if you're not careful, you're going to come out of that in a fog, and you're just thinking to yourself, man, I just don't know if I need to do what I did. I don't know if I, I need to keep doing what I was doing. Ladies and gentlemen, please listen to me. I know the definition of insanity given by modern-day leadership lessons is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. But if you ask a farmer, sometimes the definition of faithfulness is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. Don't give up. Don't, don't leave. You know they tell us that 30% of our church roles are gone? They're not coming back? Can I, I can't preach to them. They're not here. So let me preach to you. What would have to happen for you to stop following Jesus? Don't answer out loud. I just want you to think about it. What would have to happen? I hope your answer is nothing. Because I can't stand up here and tell you that something's not going to take place in your life. 
You see, we didn't meet Jesus in a conference room to negotiate our salvation. Jesus, I'll give you my soul. You don't touch my family. You don't touch my job. You don't touch my health. It doesn't happen like that. We come to Jesus under his terms, under his provisions. You see, we live in a fallen creation. Most of us have already left the Garden of Eden. But can I remind you what Scripture says? Creation moans because of the fall. And because we live in a fallen creation, stuff happens. I'm not saying God's mad. If you've gone through an accident or if there's been an illness, I'm not saying God's trying to get back at you. That's not what I'm saying at all. Neither am I saying that God's not in control. God is sovereign. But can I just remind you, because we live in a fallen creation, there's only been one perfect person born. It's not you. It's not me. It's Jesus. If anyone should have gotten out of here without any problems, don't you think it would have been Jesus? But you know what the Bible calls him? A man of sorrow acquainted with grief. Can I just remind you who's writing this? The Apostle Paul. It, in my mind, if anyone wanted to quit, it had to be the Apostle Paul. Everywhere he went, people were trying to kill him. They say, Paul, if you don't be quiet, we're going to whip you. And Paul said, all right, go ahead and whip me. They say, Paul, if you don't be quiet, we're going to stone you. And I'm talking about with rocks, not the, you know, you know, other. You say, well, at least he was comforted. No, I'm talking about with real rocks. Right? They say, Paul, if you don't be quiet, we're going to throw you in jail. And Paul says, throw me down there in Rome. There's a lot of prisoners down there, and they need Jesus. And finally, somebody says, Paul, if you don't be quiet, we're going to kill you. And Paul says, would you? To live is Christ, but to die is? To be absent from the body is to be present with? Paul says, you know what, ladies and gentlemen, this is what I'm saying. If you're going to make a difference for the cause of Christ, the level of our commitment is determined by the cost that we'll pay to keep us going. The answer we've got to give is nothing. It doesn't matter what happens to me. Paul's crossed the line to live is Christ and die is gain. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So if we're going to make a difference, not only is there going to be godliness in our life, a spirit of humility, but a spirit of persistence, we will reap if we do not give up. Let me give you the fourth mark. Go down to verse 14. It's one of my, most, um, it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And listen to what Paul says. He says, But God forbid that I should boast. Except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. If you've ever had the chance to read it in the New Living Translation, the way Paul puts it and the way they phrase it is so powerful because they've got it in the back. Let me just read it to you and listen. It says, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The next phrase. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. You see, because the cross changes everything. When, when, when Jesus changes your life, all of a sudden your perspective changes. In fact, when we're, when we're growing up in society, it's all about us. When you come to Jesus, you realize after you get Jesus, there's nothing more in life to get. The rest of our life's about giving him away. Most of us are consumed with the pursuit of, of materialism, of status, of wealth, of, of prestige. But as a biblical Christian, we're supposed to pursue the glory of Christ in everything we do. So Paul says, if I'm going to boast, I, I may talk to you about some other things, but if I'm going to really concentrate on things I'm spending my money on, my time, my talents, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus. Um, 
There's a book out called 20,000 Days and Counting. If you get a chance, you need to read it. It's a short book. You can read it in one afternoon. But it's stories of people, and, and, and it's a real cool concept. The guy decided how many days he'd been around. He'd been around about 20,000 days. He wrote this book, and he tells you stories, and at the end, he'll tell you how long that person lived on the planet. Yet there's a calculator out on Google that you can just figure out how many days you've been on this planet. I, I, it was depressing to me, so I just stopped. But uh, there was a story about William Borden. William Borden uh, was uh, about 100 years ago, member of the Borden family, one of the, most, uh, one of the wealthiest families in America. When he graduated high school, his parents gave him a trip around the world. Parents, don't, don't get into that. When my daughter graduated, we gave her a camera. Okay, so anyway, you don't have to get in the battle. But it was on that journey around the world, William Borden met Jesus. He got infected with Jesus. They'd been a moral family. They'd just been lost. So William Borden met Jesus. He came back, went to Yale University. By the time he graduated Yale University, over 1,000 students had been impacted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. When he graduated, his parents said, give yourself a salary, give yourself a title. Everything we have is yours. William Borden said God had called him to the mission field. He needed to get the gospel into the Middle Eastern country. So he went to Cairo. He was learning Arabic. And it was in that journey when he was in Cairo that they discovered he had a terminal illness. He died before he turned 24 years of age. Now, I know you're sitting there going, wow, what a great story to close on. Follow me, okay? The story goes on. When they shipped his possessions home, the parents opened up the crate, and on top of his possessions was his Bible. In fact, it was said that after he had met Jesus, there was never a time William Borden was apart from his Bible. They opened up the Bible, and in the inside front cover, there were three life events with two words that described each event. The first event was when he met Jesus Christ. Had out beside it two words, no reserves. The second life event was when he turned down the family fortune to go into missions, had out beside it two words, no retreat. The third life event was when he was found to be terminally ill, had out beside it two words, no regret. William Borden lived 9,297 days, all filled with impact. Some of us are not yet there. Some of us have passed it. Here's what I'm going to ask you. We've all been through this stuff for the last 27 months. Where are you right now? Is some, I, I believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. God's been dealing with some, not, not through what a preacher says, but through the conversations you've had, the situations you've been in. God's drawn you to himself. And this morning's the time to cross the line. You're not coming to Scott. Scott can't help you. I can't help you a bit. Because I'm messed up and you're messed up. We're all messed up. I'm asking you to come to Jesus. He's the one that can change your life. Others may be here, man, you've been, you, you've kind of sunk into mediocrity. I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying it's fact. We just kind of, we're, we're just kind of going through the motions. In fact, some of us are just settled on being back in the room. Man, I'm back in the room. There's some who are here that maybe need to join this fellowship. Maybe you kind of sunk into being a visitor. Maybe God's trying to call you. You know the difference between a, a, a potted plant and a planted plant? It's the depth of the roots. And if you're really going to grow deep, you got to have good roots. Come to Jesus. Come to this church. Finally, I'm just going to speak to some of you. Man, some of you are going through just discouragement. 
This is, this is not a job interview. Because if it was a job interview, I'm competitive. I mean, you ask anybody. I'm a competitive person. I play a senior adult in checkers. I want her crying, okay? I mean, that's how competitive I am. This is not a job interview this morning. This, if you really want to know the truth, where we are, we're in a mass hospital for wounded souls. So there is no one here that should have a mask on. There's no one here that should be, you know, risking going, man, if I, if I risk being vulnerable, is someone going to use it against me? I, I, I promise you today... This is, just, this is just a hospital for wounded souls. So in just a few moments, we're going to pray. And then after we pray, we're going to stand. Brandon, I'm going to ask you to come and just begin to play very softly. We're going to pray. There's no fanfare. No spotlight's going to be drawn on you. Scott's going to be standing here at the front. There's going to be a place where you want to just come pray. Just come to the front altar. I mean, the front. You can pray right there. I'm just asking you to do one thing. Do what God tells you to do. Would you just do what God tells you to do? And if you're sitting there going, well, I don't know what God's telling me to do because I don't know Jesus. Let me tell you what he's telling you to do. When we stand, I'm going to ask you to just very boldly just step out of your seat, come forward, grab Scott's hand, and say, I need Jesus. I'm going to be here. I'd love to sit down with you and tell you how Jesus can change your life. He changed my life. I know he can change your life. This morning, let's make life count. Let's make this moment count. And do what God tells us to do. I pray, I pray that you're not sitting there going, God's not telling me anything. That would be the scariest moment of my life when I couldn't hear his voice. Just do what God tells you to do. Maybe come pray here, pray with your spouse, pray with your family, pray with a friend, join the church. Come and say, I need Jesus. Just do one thing. Do what God tells you to do. Let's pray, get our hearts right, And then we're going to stand. Brandon's going to sing. Scott's going to be at the front. Just do what God tells you to do. Father, all across this room, we've been through it. There's some who have been through fights, been through discouragement, been through battles. God, I, I pray for the families that are being ripped apart. I pray for the lives that are searching. You're the one. You're you're, you're not the political Jesus. You're not the social Jesus. You're the redeemer of mankind. You're the one that can speak a word and the storms cease to exist. Lord, I pray it's that same power that can calm the storms and souls this morning. God, you give clear direction. You can part the seas so we can walk across on dry land. You give life when there should be death. God, so it's our prayer during this invitation that you show up and you show off for your glory. Because quite honestly, you're the only one in this room who's worthy of praise and honor. Speak, call, allow us to obey. In Jesus' name, amen.